The show you love with even more local, local news, news and more local talk. talk. The voice of the valley. The Mike Douglas Show. Now weekdays from 3 till 5. On air and online. Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Here's your host, Mike Douglas. And welcome to this uh, very warm Monday afternoon here in California's Central Valley. Mike Douglas with you, your concierge for conversation as we get this week started. Thanks so much for joining us here on the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. As I mentioned, a warm afternoon. Things are heating up right now. Well, Politically, as as well as the weather itself. In fact, there's a heat advisory for the San Joaquin Valley, uh, for the northern San Joaquin Valley. National Weather Service has said the advisory starts noon tomorrow, Tuesday, until the end of Wednesday evening. Officials saying temperatures can reach up to 105 degrees on Wednesday. And uh, just from our experience at Advancing Vibrant Communities, if you have... Elderly relatives, elderly parents, uh, people living in uh, mobile home parks near you, friends that are elderly, it pays to check on them during these types of heat waves. Uh, The problem is uh, a lot of uh, elderly citizens don't want to spend the money by turning on their air conditioners if they have them. And so they just turn on fans, and especially if they're in those uh, metal-type mobile homes, all the fan does is circulate hot air. And the object is for their health and to prevent uh, possible fatal results, you need to reduce that ambient temperature. So very important to uh, check on those who may be around you in your circle of influence or in your family, especially during the heat waves. Just make sure they're uh, they're doing okay. Uh, very, very important uh, this time of year. The registration deadline to vote in the June 7 primary is today. By the way, if you missed today's deadline, uh, apparently you can still conditionally register tomorrow and uh, cast a provisional ballot between tomorrow and June 7th. But if you can, if you haven't registered, our encouragement always is to vote. Again, I believe that the upcoming primary on June 7 and then the general election, uh, the midterm election coming up on November 8, 2022, not too far away. I believe these are going to be tipping point elections and uh, they, they could well um, tip the state of California and most probably tip the nation one way or the other. And so very important uh, if you have not registered to vote yet, and you want to participate in casting your vote for the future of California and the nation, why, uh, today's the day to do it, uh, to make that happen. Here's an interesting story, and we've got so much to cover today, and we'll, we'll get to most of it. We'll get to most of it. But this, this caught my eye today. Apparently on Saturday, the Sacramento Police Department had a gun turn-in Uh, event. And apparently more than 100 people turned in a total of 134 guns. And in return, Sacramento PD told them that they would get $50 gas gift cards. Well, boy, $50. Now, what does that get you? Uh, Maybe uh, depending on what kind of gas you have to put in your vehicle, maybe that gets you half a tank. Uh, (laughs) 
<laughs> maybe in some cases, a quarter of a tank. Anyway, 50 bucks is 50 bucks. So apparently uh, people dropped off, dropped off their firearms at uh, department headquarters from noon to 4 p.m. And uh, again, this was an organized event. Apparently you didn't have to have any ID and you were not to have any ammunition with the gun or bring it either. And the guns had to be fully functional. So they say at least one assault weapon was dropped off. Several guns with illegally manufactured parts were dropped off. Now, here's the thing. Apparently, Sacramento PD ran out of gift cards just 45 minutes into the event, but they accepted guns until uh, 4 p.m., apparently. And uh, they, they say participants most commonly cited a lack of experience or knowledge with firearms, or I think we could most correctly say arms. Anyway, lack of knowledge about their legality or being unable to safely store them is the main reason for giving up their guns. So my question to you, I think it's interesting. They ran out of those $50 gas cards within 45 minutes. Didn't even make it an hour. Well, more than 100 people turning in a total of 134 guns. So here's my, uh, here's my question to you. Do you think folks who would commit violent crimes with their guns were part of that cadre that turned in their guns on Saturday? Saturday? Just a question. Do you think that the bad guys or the bad gals were the ones turning in their guns on Saturday? Uh, just wondering. Our number here, 209-551-3483, 209 Three, four, eight, three. And I know there are a lot of circumstances where, uh, for example, a, a spouse may uh, die or there, a divorce occurs or something happens and someone is left with uh, a gun or guns in their possession in their home, but they don't know how to use them. They don't know much about them. And so I think in that regard, uh, these types of events are fo- probably valuable. The question is, do you think it's really valuable in terms of getting the guns out of the hands of the bad guys or the bad gals? What do you think? 209-551-3483. 209-551-3483. Very interesting. By the way, another note. Ed, this is interesting to me uh, while you're thinking about that. Uh, PG&E is warning families as we're coming up towards graduation ceremonies across California. They're warning families to avoid using balloons during graduation ceremonies. And they said, for example, this past week, a Mylar balloon was blamed for sparking a fire after it came into contact with power lines in Greenfield. The result was a power outage that affected uh, some 2,400 customers and so they're um, they're really recommending that you uh, keep the balloons far away, keep them tied down or at least away from any potential power lines. This has been an issue, by the way, at some of the uh, cemeteries where I, uh, I do funerals, memorial services, and graveside services. Uh, basically, many of them have uh, recommended to families that they not 
that they not use balloons. Sometimes it's because of that, the fire hazard, especially with the Mylar balloons. Other times, though, there's some cranky neighbors. You ever had a cranky neighbor? Well, apparently some cranky neighbors get cranky about the fact that balloons from graveside services or memorial services wind up in their backyards. Now, now me, if, if a balloon lands in my yard, I'll pop it and put it in the trash, especially if there's a cemetery, which there isn't for me, but if there's a cemetery near me, I, I think I'd kind of take that in, in stride, wouldn't you? I, I just don't see getting mad and upset because people's balloons that were released at a graveside service wound up in my yard. I think that's kind of cold-hearted. Maybe, uh, I don't know, maybe, maybe you feel otherwise. Maybe you feel that, do you feel that's an intrusion upon your privacy if someone let some balloons go at a graveside service in honor of their loved one and one happened to arrive in your yard? Would you be offended by that? W- w- would you complain about that? Our number here, 209-551-3483, 209-551-3483. And uh, we are also, as you know, in campaign season, and we'll talk about the need to do good research and not just to rely upon, I don't care who the candidate is. In fact, I had a conversation this morning with a, a friend and we were talking about the importance of standing on truth. Now, sometimes our perceptions of truth is going to be different. That happens. But at least we need to be honest about what we, what we feel, to the best of our knowledge, is truth. And when we get into this half-truth, uh, spinning things about the other side, it's very, very concerning uh, to me, and it seems to be rampant across our political landscape. I'm going to give you an example of that in just a couple of moments. I'm not picking on this particular candidate because I want to research what the uh, accusation is. I also want to tie this to a comment that was made by a caller. It was either on Thursday or Friday of last week. I think it was Kathleen, maybe from Oakdale. And she was wondering if there were some uh, Democrats posing as Republicans, or there were some Republicans posing as Democrats or vice, whatever, that uh, people who were posing as being members of the other political party in uh, with, with a strategy to bring that party down or to bring another candidate down. And I told her I might lose some sleep over that. Well, I didn't lose a lot of sleep, but I have been thinking about it. And then pops up a... Um, an email that has been forwarded to me from a, uh, a congressional candidate. And very interesting. And I'll share that with you in three minutes as the Mike Douglas Show continues right here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. 1360 KFIV is your place online. Let's get social with Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Mike Douglas here, your concierge for conversation as we take a look at the issues of the day that affect you and me directly right here in California's Central Valley. We're talking about campaigns. Of course, things are hot and heavy right now, aren't they? The June primaries coming up on June 7. By the way, 
we will provide uh, very extensive Election Day coverage here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV on June 7. Mike Douglas' show here will air from our normal time from 3 to 5 p.m. And then uh, we're planning uh, to be on the air with you from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. and take a look at some of the early returns, what's happening, and uh, also explain uh, some of the measures that are being taken by some counties to ensure as much as possible, that we have good elections, that uh, there is a, we, we put the kibosh on fraud as much as possible. So uh, we'll be looking forward to that again, that coming up on June 7. And of course, then we have the midterms coming up in, uh, in November, on November 8th, uh, I believe. Not too far away, is it? In fact, November is going to be upon us uh, bef- before we, uh, before we expect it. So uh, my, Again, I, I encourage you. I don't. I don't tell you who to vote for. I don't do that, uh, especially in the primaries. Specifically in the primaries, I do not endorse any candidates. That's the, that's on purpose. I believe my role is to provide you with information, things to think about, and then you make your decision. You're all very intelligent. You process information uh, very, very well. And so my, my job, I feel, is to provide you with information so that you can make your own decisions versus me telling you who to vote for, not, not that you would care one way or the other. <laughs> it's just uh, the, way I, the way I choose to do it. By the way, here, here's an ancillary uh, question for you. Uh, many newspapers, I'm thinking of, of local ones, especially here in uh, Modesto and, and up in Sacramento, uh, newspapers publish their endorsements. And they have editorial boards, typically, that meet with the various candidates. And and after that, the uh, news periodicals will uh, give a list of candidates that they're endorsing. What do you think about that? Do you think that newspapers, news agencies ought to endorse specific candidates? Do you think they should do that ethically? Or should they simply provide the information so that you make your decision? What do you think? Get our number here, 209-551-3483. I'll have, uh, I, I do have an opinion on that. I know you'll find that shocking. I do have an opinion on that that I'll share a little bit later. But uh, do you think that news agencies papers or even television, radio news, ought to endorse specific candidates? Or is that something that they should shy away from and simply provide us with the information so that we can make our own decisions? Again, our number here, 209-551-3483, 209-551-3483. Now, here's an example, and again, I'm not picking on this candidate at all, I have just uh, received this information, but it's an example of why we need to do research, and we're going to do research on this. Uh, This is from a candidate for the 3rd Congressional District in California, and uh, this candidate's uh, name is Kermit Johnson. And he, or I'm sorry, Kermit Jones, my apologies, Dr. Kermit Jones, Kermit Jones. And there are, let's see, I believe 
four candidates uh, for this office at the moment, uh, Dr. Kermit Jones, another Jones, Scott Jones. You'll know him from uh, law enforcement up in uh, Sacramento County area. Kevin Kiley, uh, you all know him from our uh, assembly, and uh, another gentleman by the name of David Peterson. Now, Dr. Kermit Jones and David Peterson are both registered as Democrats. Uh, Scott Jones and Kevin Kiley registered uh, as uh, Republicans for the ballot. Now, this is a very interesting uh, commentary by Dr. Kermit Jones, information he's sending out. He's, he's saying that my Democratic opponent, David Peterson, is actually a Republican plant who the GOP has deployed to three different congressional districts in recent years. They have Peterson. This reminds me of the call that, that we got, I think for, it was from Kathleen last week. They have Peterson pretend to be a progressive Democrat and then fund his attack ads against the real Democrats running. To cover their tracks, Peterson's campaign has failed to report his campaign donors and spending to the FEC. Federal Elections Commission. So, again, I I think it's very important for us to do our due diligence. Uh, I don't know this candidate, David Peterson, but we're going to attempt to contact his campaign and and have them answer that question uh, that is being posed by uh, Dr. Jones, that Mr. Peterson is actually, although he's running as a progressive Democrat, that uh, he actually is a Republican plant. And the design is to uh, to have the Republicans uh, defeat the Democrats by having plants uh, to who pretend to be in the same party to run against them. Very interesting. Did anybody know David Peterson? I do not, or know his history. Uh, but we will uh, we will pursue that as we go along. So the other thing that I'm doing is, do you, I'm sure your mailboxes are getting full of campaign literature, aren't they? Mine are, mine is, rather. And so I'm actually developing a file, and I'm, I'm putting this in that file because it's highly interesting uh, to me to see how the different campaign managers are, are instructing or guiding the campaigns, campaigns of these various candidates. So I am keeping a file of all of these uh, campaign flyers that, that come in the mail. you, you got to be kidding, Mike. No, I'm not. I think it's very important to uh, keep an eye on that and see what they're saying. It's fascinating to me. And as we can't, and there's no way that we're going to, I mean, we don't have a huge staff here, right? We have our producer, Mike, and uh, we have our assistant producer, Brenda, and our call screener, and and me. And uh, I have, I wear 10 or 12 other hats uh, in our community, as does Brenda. So, uh, we don't have huge full-time staffs to do this, but we'll do the best we can to look at some of these claims and uh, see if they're uh, if they're being truthful uh, or not. And again, if you have any information about this particular issue, again, Dr. Kermit Jones, Democrat, claiming that his other Democratic opponent for Congressional District Three is a Republican plant by the name of last name of uh, Peterson, David Peterson. If you have any insights, you're welcome to call here. Let us know 209-551-3483, 209-551-3483. And we will continue the conversation. We'll uh, get our call from Debbie coming up in five minutes 
here on the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Back in a few after news, weather, and traffic. Mike Douglas Show, now weekdays from 3 till 5 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. A pastor with passion, a minister with manners. Now back to the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV on this Monday afternoon. And thank you so much for joining us. Our phone number here, 209-551-3483. We've been talking a bit about elections and how we process information to be well-informed and intelligent voters. Again, if you have thoughts on that, our number 209-551-3483. And uh, let's talk about that with Debbie from Stanislaus. A good Monday afternoon to you, Debbie. And a good Monday afternoon to you and everybody else. My question is back to you. Exactly where do we go to get the truth? Because so far, my experience is the truth is very minimal and very hidden. We have people in our government, federal, state, and county, who are crooks, and they never get stopped because money talks and you know what walks. So you tell me, you tell all of us, where do we get our truth? And when we get our truth, where do we go with it? Because there is nowhere to go. We're blocked. People with influence and money is influence. They control and we have to take whatever they dish out. And I can prove everything I'm saying to you. So what would you suggest, Mike? All right, Debbie, thanks for the call. Let me, uh, let me see if I can, uh, can answer that. Some, some deep questions there. Let me see if I can answer it in a, in a couple of ways. Uh, number one, you, were, you made a couple of uh, good points, by the way. Where do you go for truth? And then uh, secondarily, once you get it, uh, how useful is it? Uh, how does it? Uh, how does it really pan out? Uh, is it really valuable to have the truth in uh, in a culture right now where it seems like those with money and power are going to have their way anyway? So let me address question number one from my perspective. Anyway, wh- where do you go for truth? Uh, Debbie, I don't think there is any one source I can point to to say, if I go there, I know that I'm going to get the absolute truth. And I'm, t- I'm talking now about, uh, let, let's call it political issues. Uh, as a pastor, I have a book that I go to, which I believe is 100% true. It's called the Word of God or the Bible. However, aside from that, I, I always approach sources of uh, information with uh, healthy skepticism. I'm not one, as I think many of you know, who always look at, uh, always look at glasses half empty. I tend to look at them as half full until I can prove that they're not full at all. So I always advocate going to multiple sources. Even those that may sound right on the money, I always at least try to find one or two other sources and compare them to try to ferret out where where does the truth actually lie within the triangulation of, of these different sources. Not always easy. 
And uh, l- let me draw an analogy. I, I usually use this analogy during football season. And I, I know it's USFL season right now. I'm, I'm just, I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. But let, let's say it's the fall, college football, NFL, etc. Oftentimes you will see a replay, right? Uh, someone uh, looks like they might have stepped out of bounds on the way to a touchdown. So did the touchdown count or did they step out of bounds? They were really close to the line. So they will look at a replay, But they will not look at just one camera, one angle. They look at multiple angles. And you, hopefully, through the the investigation and looking at multiple angles, they uh, are able to arrive at a decision. Either they can't conclusively say that the original call was an error, or they can say, yes, it is clear to us that the original call by the official was an error. This is what the truth is. So my point being that it is not wise to use just one camera because that we well, say well mike if it's one camera and there's no operator then it's uh, then it's got to be it's got to show the truth because there's no filter there no because the camera only sees that from one angle and that's why they have to look at multiple cameras so applying that same principle here i don't think debbie that we can look at any one source because every source has some kind of filter to it. Uh, and you, you listen to me, and you'll probably say, well, Mike comes at it from a, uh, a, a Christian worldview. Well, yeah, I do. All right, so I've got that filter in place. So you, you take what I say, understanding that I have this filter in place. I am not coming at it from a humanistic uh, at, at, from a humanistic point of view. I think it's important to hear the strictly humanist humanistic point of view, but uh, my truth, so to speak, uh, is going to come at that from a different angle with a different filter. So the point being, I I think we have to just like the football game with many angles for a replay, we have to look at more than one source, at least three to get some idea of where the truth really is. And, and I'll use this example, this uh, email that I got uh, was forwarded to me from Dr. Kermit Jones, and he's accusing the other Democratic candidate, congressional candidate for uh, Congressional District 3, uh, David Peterson. He's, he's claiming that Mr. Peterson is a Republican plant and has been so in uh, in previous elections. By the way, California's 3rd District, and this is another issue with uh, the upcoming election, with the redrawing of district lines, what, uh, what used to be District 3 is no longer District 3. District 3 used to be out there, uh, oh, west of Sacramento, up near Chico, I think, almost to the border of uh, the San Francisco area. Anyway, it's a Bay Area. Uh, now, District 3 run, runs along the eastern border of Nevada from, let's say, the Chico-Reno area uh, down to, well, I think, close to, well, just north of Bay- Bakersfield, I guess. And so it's a radically different uh, different district. So point point being, though, that I'm I'm going to have to research and find out, uh, at least get a response from Mr. Peterson about this allegation that he's a Republican plant. And then we'll probably try to contact uh, the California Republican Party 
officials and say, is Mr. Peterson a plant? We'll also look at, uh, and, and this is a, a, Debbie, here's, here's another thing that I use uh, as clues uh, to help me find out what's true. I do look at who supports candidates. Now, is that a litmus test for me? No. But if I see a lot of uh, different organizations that have the same perspective, then I can uh, then I can be fairly assured of what this candidate's perspective is. Now, remember, a lot of businesses uh, give money to both sides, but you know what we're looking at here is where is a lot of the money uh, a lot of the money coming from. So uh, I think I beat up that point. Uh, enough debbie my answer to your first question is we have to we have to look at multiple sources in order to arrive at some sense of where the truth really is and then regards to your second question and listen i i empathize with your thesis there i think a lot of people that call this show have the same angst and that is doesn't matter what doesn't matter it seems like no matter what when we vote how we vote the people with the most money and the most power always come out on top they're the ones that uh, that that become victorious well yes i i believe that but over time i also believe that if enough people do enough research and enough people go to the polls and enough people confront their local leaders especially, that we begin to see things turn around a bit. So I am not beyond hope. Is it is it a tall mountain to climb, Debbie? Absolutely. Uh, I feel it is, but I, th- I think it's a, um, a mountain worth climbing. And what mountain is that, Mike? Well, I think it's a mountain where truth prevails where we don't operate on half-truths, where we don't operate on spin. And uh, I would say where we uh, don't uh, operate in a woke-type culture that I feel is destroying our uh, our nation and our state as well. So, uh, Debbie, I hope I've... that That's probably not what you were looking for in terms of pat answers, but that's the best I can give you at this point. I, am, I still believe... It's important for us to fight the good fight and to always speak truth as, uh, as best we can. So, uh, Debbie, I hope that uh, answered your question. Our number here, 209-551-3483, 209-551-3483. And uh, just a reminder, the uh, uh, primaries coming up on June 7 already, and then the midterms coming up November 8, not too long away. Back uh, back to the phones very quickly, and John from Brentwood. Hi, John. Welcome to the Monday show. Hey, hey Mike. Great show. Yeah, real quickly on newspapers and backing candidates, propositions, etc. If it's on the editorial page, it's no big deal. Most of the editorials are garbage, so most of what they back is garbage. And it's actually a useful tool because you can pretty much depending on what side of the aisle you're on, you can pretty much go down their list and vote the opposite of everything they say. Whether it's propositions, <laughs> candidates, whatever it is, they're pretty much, I'm pretty much the opposite about 98% of the time of what they recommend, the, whether it's the Sacramento Bee, the San Francisco Chronicle, the Stockton Record. So it just solidifies, make sure that I'm voting the correct way. John, that, that is a very perceptive point, and I do the same thing. 
uh, oftentimes. <laughs> if, <laughs> if I know that a particular news agency, a periodical, whatever it might be, if I, if I know pretty much what their perspective is and I see where their endorsements are, I will, I will tend to vote the other way. Uh, you know, because to me, it's the fruits of the poison tree. And, and so I, I resonate with what you're, uh, what you're saying there. I, I, I still do the triage. If I can put it that way, I triangulate. I, I try to get as many sources as possible, but I hear you. I, uh, I, in fact, I have employed that. In fact, I do employ that. Let me yeah, put it, works that. <laughs> it, it. It works perfectly, especially if there's a proposition you're not quite sure about and you don't understand just look at what the Sacramento Bee recommends and just vote the opposite. Right. You have, have to know your source. And I, I think that's uh, one of the things that we need to be careful of when we look at different sources. Going back to Debbie's question is that we understand where they're coming from. And after a while, develop develop a profile on them, understand where they're coming from. And once in a while, there's a surprise, but but not too often. John, great call. Great point. And yep, I, I identify with your thesis there. Understand that. And, uh, I, that, that's actually not a bad strategy. I, I should have added that into my answer for, uh, for Debbie in terms of pursuing truth. Well, let me tell you about some more truths. Housing prices keep going up. Inventories low interest rate hikes mean price fluctuations. So selling your home now with an aggressive, experienced agent is probably the right move. In fact, it is the right move to maximize your equity. Do you have a growing family? Are you working for a home and maybe you need more space? Well, call the agent I trust and recommend. Call Dan Phipps. Dan's proprietary marketing system guarantees multiple offers in 72 hours for full market value, or he'll sell it for free. In fact, his home selling program is designed to maximize your sales price. You're in complete control. No costly repairs required. No long-term contracts. You pick your move date, and Dan can even help find you a new home before you move. Melody in Oakdale tells us uh, she needed to sell quickly, but her home needed a bunch of repairs and upgrades to get a decent price, but she didn't have the time nor the money for it. Well, Melody called Dan Phipps, and he said, no problem, we can do it, and he did. Dan got multiple offers and sold it for much higher than Melody could have imagined. So call Dan Phipps. Dan is the man I recommend, and I'd hire him to sell my own home. He's the only agent who guarantees multiple offers in 72 hours, or it's sold free. Call Dan Phipps, 209-593-1111, or go to danphipps.com. That's Dan Phipps with three Ps, D-A-N-P-H-I-P-P-S dot com. And the Mike Douglas Show will continue in three minutes here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. He's got issues. Let's talk about it. The Mike Douglas Show, on air and online. Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Uh, One of the questions that we asked a bit ago was about periodicals, news agencies. And did you feel that or do you feel that it's ethical for news agencies to make endorsements of candidates? I think John, uh, our last caller, brought up a good point. He said, well, if it's on the editorial page, uh, that's fine. And that's typically uh, where they are. Uh, here's, here's my take on this. And that is, I think in terms of good journalism, uh, fine to present 
facts, interviews, etc., cetera, uh, of candidates. But uh, I, I shy away from news agencies providing endorsements. Uh, because whether or not it's on the editorial page, it's it's under the banner, ultimately, of that news agency. And then it really, to me, uh, it gives the news agency a, uh, a slant that it didn't have before. Now, that's just me. And again, I was trained in journalism back in the day when there was actually integrity in journalism, and, and journalists were taught to seek out at least three different sources, tell the story uh, from at least uh, three different sources, and hopefully they came at it, they would come at the issue from different angles. Uh, that's long gone. Don't see a lot of that uh, anymore today. So I am not uh, real comfortable with news agencies providing endorsements. But again, that's that's just me. Maybe you feel differently. 209-551-3483. 209-551-3483. And one, of course, one of the challenges with that, here, here's how this normally goes down, especially for, uh, for newspapers and such. Newspapers will, their editorial boards will invite candidates to participate. All right, so, and I'm coming back to John's uh, comment here a couple of minutes ago. Let us say that a newspaper, unnamed, that a newspaper that you know to be very liberal invites you as a conservative candidate to come meet with the editorial board. And you just have the view that, you know, this is, I know where they're coming from on this. Uh, I just am not interested in interviewing with them, and I'm not, I'm not going to accept the uh, invitation for that editorial board interview. Well, what the newspaper then does is uh, it, it criticizes the candidate for not meeting with them. Well, it may be a legit decision on part of the candidate because they don't feel they're going to get a fair shake from that particular periodical. So when, when periodicals say, well, they, they didn't accept our invitation and they, they really are very critical of the candidate, to me, it's like, uh, well, it, there may be good reason why that candidate didn't accept your, your invitation. So if you're on, well, and let me turn it around both ways. So if you're on the far left and you get an invitation from a news agency on the far right, are, are you going to go on their show? Or are you going to uh, meet with their editorial board? Pro- maybe not. And, uh, so, and, and let's turn it around. If uh, the news agency is far left and uh, you're more on the right, are you going to accept an invitation? Well, it may be that you just don't feel, I don't think I'm going to get treated fairly there, so I'm not, I'm not going to uh, participate. The problem with the attitude of these news agencies is for some reason they think that they, they are uh, God's gift to uh, the public. And really, journalism right now doesn't have a really high standing in the minds of a lot of members of the public. Uh, I am very suspicious of almost all news agencies, even ones that I typically agree with. I will often step back and say, well, is that, do I believe that to be true? 
And I, I will check on sources going back to uh, Debbie's call a little bit ago. So the, the problem to me is there's almost an arrogance uh, to me from news agencies thinking, well, if, if you don't come and interview with our editorial board, then then there's something obviously wrong with you and you're hiding something. Well, no, maybe the candidates thinks that you as a news agency are so slanted they're not going to get a fair shake. And that's often not uh, not considered in the equation. So, uh, <laughs> again, I lean towards let's, e- even if it's on the op-ed page, it's not what it's called anymore, is it? But anyway, we used to call it the op-ed page. Even if it's on the op-ed page, I'm not real, I'm, I, I'm not supportive of news agencies providing endorsements. Uh, and I'll even uh, attach that to uh, news shows on, uh, on radio and, and television. Uh, I, I appreciate when they provide different perspectives, different points of view, and I appreciate when they will interview candidates or interview people with opposite opinions. What I don't like is, and, and there are several national uh, figures that do this, they will interrupt the candidates. The candidates or the person with an opposing opinion will get just a few uh, words into their sentence, and the, the host uh, who runs the show will interrupt them. I don't want them to enter. I want to hear what this person has to say. And oftentimes I, I will, I will be talking back to the television set. Just let them answer the question. I don't care if you agree with them or not at this point, let them answer the question. And uh, I try to be uh, true to that myself as perspectives may not be what I have on this show, but I want people to air their perspectives, and I do my best not to interrupt unless we're hitting a mark like we are right now. I will be back in five minutes on the Mike Douglas Show after news, traffic, and weather here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. The show you love with even more local news and more local talk. The Voice of the Valley. The Mike Douglas Show. Now weekdays from 3 till 5. On air and online. Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Here's your host, Mike Douglas. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show as we head into hour number two here on this fine Monday afternoon in California's Central Valley. Mike Douglas with you, your personal concierge for conversation as we navigate through many of the issues that are in front of us here in California's Central Valley. I thank you so much for being with us. Again, I look so much for uh, towards this time from 3 to 5 p.m. Monday through Friday where we get to talk about the issues. And uh, to me, that ability to be live and local is so valuable to make sure that your voice is heard. And uh, even though our voices may not always agree, the point is that we're able to talk about the issues and even agree to disagree and walk away as friends with the ultimate goal of having a healthy and just society to live in. So thank you for your participation. I uh, got a quick message here on email from Scott. He was asking uh, if there was, uh, if I knew of a conservative voters guide for the June primary. And uh, no, uh, Scott, I'm not aware of that. Now there are, uh, there are private, you know, personal uh, voter guides, but as far as 
an organization or a nonprofit or a political entity with a conservative view for uh, Stanislaus County. I'm I'm not aware of that. I think one of the uh, one of the issues there, Scott, especially in the primaries as far as uh, counties and cities go, is that uh, many of those local elections are, in theory, nonpartisan. In fact, this morning I was meeting with a friend who's uh, running for office, and uh, he has chosen, uh, I, I, as I recall now for quite a few years, to uh, to remain nonpartisan. He does not list a political party, and, and he chooses to do that so that he can talk to everyone, and he won't be dismissed out of hand by anyone either. And I, I think in terms of a local... Uh, a local election, that, that may be a good idea in, in some respects. Again, local elections, when you're looking at city, uh, city council runs, county boards of supervisors, etc., cetera, uh, oftentimes that is, in theory again, supposed to be nonpartisan elections. In other words, it doesn't matter whether you're a, a Democrat or a Republican or a Green Party or Peace and Freedom or whatever it might be, uh, if or if 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 you're concerned about the roadways, it shouldn't matter. The reality is in May, you know, people bring their politics into wherever they are. So uh, that's why I say, in theory, uh, the local elections are not necessarily um, not necessarily partisan. However, that uh, once the person is in office, that uh, that may change. Uh, so, uh, long answer to your question, Scott. No, I am not aware of one. If any of you are aware of a reputable uh, conservative local voter guide, let us know. 209-551-3483, regardless of what county you're in. And we cover what, 9 or 10 or 11 counties with our signal here, so uh, please feel free to to let us know. Again, our number here, 209-551-3483, 209-551-3483, as we talk about how to prepare for the upcoming primary on June 7, and then the uh, general uh, election, the uh, pri- the uh, midterms, rather, coming up on November 8. One of the things I think is so important, and again, I, w- I was talking to a friend about this this morning, whether or not we're just community-minded or whether we're running for office or whether we're attempting to discern who to vote for for office, especially local office, relationships are so important. And we were, we've had uh, uh, Pastor Crosby from the Clergy Council in Modesto on the show from time to time talking about the value of building relationships— and in particular, the uh, clergy council in Modesto has built relationships with local law enforcement. So if something goes down that affects a particular community, there are already avenues built of trust. And my friends, trust comes with building and maintaining relationships. That's where trust comes from. Do you, do you trust someone just because of their political affiliation? Do you trust someone just because someone says you ought to trust them? I don't know about you. It's not that I'm suspicious of everyone, but I, I don't know that I trust someone until I get to know them a little bit. And getting to know them a little bit means initiating and maintaining a relationship. And I think that is so important for our communities. 
and it is something oftentimes that I think we see abused. I can't tell you how many times over the past, how long have I been around in this? I've been here 20, 25, 26 years, I, I think now. I can't tell you how many times I have been to school board meetings or I've been to uh, city council meetings or I've been to county boards of supervisor meetings and a hot issue. And here come people to talk about and uh, talk about the issue and to passionately give their particular perspective who aren't even from this area. Now, I, I understand freedom of speech. I got that. But the, the problem is when people come in from outlying areas, they're usually coming in with an agenda. And sometimes they're actually, their transportation is provided by others. And to me, that is, uh, that, that's not in the spirit of local politics. I want to know who I'm talking to. If you want to have cre- credibility, then I, I need to know who you are. A little bit, and maybe it's maybe we can't have a relationship for some reason. But I know you maybe through watching what uh, local media says, or uh, I've watched your writings, or I've watched your posts, whatever it might be. And so I think uh, I think that factor, the relationship factor, becomes very very important, uh, especially as we come to uh, to voting time and when we're making critical decisions at the local level, whether it be school board or or city council as well. And I I don't know I have you ever gone to another community for a local meeting and you have spouted off. Um, it's, uh, it, it, I I wouldn't even think of that. I would never think of that. So anyway, here we go. So I, I really feel it's, uh, it's absolutely paramount that we develop relationships with the community and through those relationships, we build trust. And then again, uh, giving the clergy council as a, as an example, law enforcement has a big, uh, big, uh, uh, event go down, they automatically have relationships built with the community that can kick in that are based upon trust. And I have found, coming as an outsider 26 years ago to this community, that relationships here in Stanislaus County, at least, are very important. Uh, businesses run on relationship. A lot of things run on relationship. And when we don't have that, when we don't really know each other, that gives rise to suspicions and oftentimes half-truths and, and that sort of thing. So, uh, again, I think it is very important to uh, for candidates to build those relationships, to meet with people, to meet with the community, and actually listen. We don't see a lot of that today. Uh, we, we see a lot of I'm going to tell you what I think you should know or the opinion that you should have, but uh, I, I don't think that uh, there, there's a valid reception by people when we come and tell them what they need. No, it's a matter of listening, and uh, the friend I was talking to this morning is committed to that. And he's going around, he's listening to people, actually, actually, actively listening I think that's so important. All right, we'll continue the conversation in three minutes here on the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. With the big news of the day, here's more of the Mike Douglas Show. Now weekdays from 3 till 5 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. 
And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. So as we talk about different things in the realm of politics, how about this? This is a press release from Governor Newsom today, and he's calling on Californians to take immediate action to avoid a crisis. And as I go through some of these bullet points, here's my question for you. What's missing here? What's missing here? There are, in, in the realm of, of law enforcement, there are crimes of commission and crimes of omission. And I think in terms of politics, there are, uh, there are half-truths, there are lies of commission and lies of omission. And uh, it's, to me, a half-truth is not a truth. It is not a truth. So uh, let me just read this. I'm just going to ask you, what do you think is missing here? All right, so the governor is apparently there was a, he convened many leaders today from the state's largest urban water suppliers. And apparently they represented over two-thirds of Californians. And they were talking about uh, water conservation because of, uh, because of the drought. So here is what the governor's office is recommending to us as Californians. Limit outdoor watering. Limit outdoor watering by cutting back even just one day a week. Can save you up to 20% more water, they say. Take shorter showers. Going to a five-minute shower can save up to 12.5 gallons per shower when using a water-efficient shower head. Take showers instead of baths. A bath uses up to two and a half times more the amount of water as a shower. Use a broom instead of a hose to clean outdoor areas to save six gallons of water every minute and washing full loads of clothes to save 15 to 45 gallons of water per load. So as we talk about truth, as we talk about politics and how all of that, what's missing in terms of the drought situation? What's missing from the governor's list there? All right, let's go back to the phones. Area code 209-551-3483. 209-551-3483. And uh, let's go to Kathleen. Kathleen, uh, what's on your mind today? Well, I want to answer the question, uh, where do I look for the truth? And I look uh, for the truth in every interpersonal action that I have with someone. Um, and I use uh, my senses uh, which is the heart and not the head, and I'm not impaired. And I, I do all that to train my muscle memory, and um, that having a strong muscle memory is, is how I will know the truth. I can, I can tell the truth um, uh, from, tell the truth from the untruth. And um, I think this is all, though, the same thing that is being said by each of us, uh, you said that, Mike, and I think uh, Debbie said that, and I think I'm saying that. And then I think the Cars, uh, a rock group in the 1980s, they sang the song, Who is Going to Drive You Home Tonight? I think they said it, and they said it very musically and very beautifully. And um, and I think it's all saying the same thing. So everybody's got their own camera on it, but you have to you have to look to your heart and every interpersonal action that you ever have. And the reason why that works for, for the – 
finding the truth is because it's training your muscle memory. And so then when you go to the, like the newspapers or you're listening uh, to the radio or you're watching TV, you you uh, you understand when your your body understands when you're hearing the truth or not, when you may be hearing the truth or not. And then um, I think we have to be aware that impaired people turn to cliches for the truth and that will make your blood boil that will light your chair on fire and so uh because it's such disregard for the truth and um i think that uh, we just have to let it go and um when that happens and so don't don't uh tune out of the truth though just let it go that these when somebody has disregard for the truth, just let it go. Because otherwise, if you don't let it go, you're just going to tune out even looking for the truth just because you don't want your chair to be lit on fire and just because you don't want your blood boiling, so you're just not even going to bother looking for the truth anymore. Did you want to hum a few bars from that car song? <laughs> no. I, <don't> <laughs> okay. I, I love that song. I, 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 no, I'm... I, 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 I couldn't do it right now uh, off the top of my head. It's been so too long since I've heard it. All right. Ka- it really has. Kathleen, thanks thanks for the call. And, and Kathleen, I, I think one of the things that, uh, that you bring up is, uh, and I would call it, um, and maybe this is my interpretation, uh, a gut rea- reaction. I think as we uh, pursue truth, as we understand, I think a key to that also, Kathleen, is understanding our own biases and our own filters. Uh, I, I think we need to know ourselves well in order to discern truth. Uh, in other words, if I'm looking at an issue, I have to say, all right, my filters would naturally lead me to this viewpoint but let me take those filters off for a second or a few, or two and and just listen attentively or watch attentively or read attentively just to see what this other side has to say and i there are times i would say often there are times when there's some kernel of truth somewhere embedded into what I'm reading or listening to or, or watching. And I don't want to miss that kernel of truth. Uh, the problem is, and I think uh, Kathleen made reference to this, the problem is if we're operating on strictly an emotional level, then campaign managers and uh, political action committees and such are very skilled at getting people's emotions going so that it overrides their logic centers, so that rational thinking gets bypassed because the emotions uh, take over. And so I, I think it's important for us to know ourselves well to be able to say, all right, this this is this issue may hurt it may hit me in a certain way i'm going to put that aside for a minute and just listen or watch uh, or read for the sake of trying to understand what that person is saying whether i agree with them or not and that really came to me over years of of doing uh, pastoral counseling uh, <laughs> a lot of he said she said uh, that would come into my office. And I have no idea who who actually is giving me the accurate viewpoint. I'm only getting the viewpoint from uh, the people in front of me. And so I, I think it's very important for us to uh, be, be very, very careful about setting aside our own filters in order to 
uh, ferret out in order to discern what types of uh, information are coming at us. And oftentimes I think there, there are kernels of truth that, uh, that we might otherwise miss. So uh, again, today we've been talking about how we discern what's true in terms of political issues, in terms of politicians. I gave you an example of an email that uh, that I had received from someone, uh, one candidate, uh, basically saying that someone from his own party is a plant. Well, we're we're going to uh, we're going to ferret that out and do our best to uh, to do our research. So I you know I think it's important that we not just accept. Uh, we accept things on face value, but but we, in a healthy manner, question what we're hearing. All right, uh, we'll continue the conversation. Uh, we'll go back to the phones. And Ed from Lodi, if you can hold, we'll get to you in five minutes as the Mike Douglas Show continues. Here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV, our phone number 209-551-3483-201. 209, rather, 551-3483, back in five minutes. Show now weekdays from three till five on Power Talk thirteen sixty KFIV on air and online. Take the Mike Douglas Show with you with the iHeart Radio app. Search thirteen sixty KFIV. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show here on Power Talk thirteen sixty KFIV. We've been talking, uh, covering a lot of territory today about how we make decisions about who to vote for, what to vote for, election time, how we triage information and such. And uh, then a couple of minutes ago, I was talking about a press release from uh, Governor Newsom's office regarding water conservation. And uh, in a couple of minutes, I'll talk to you about what I think is uh, is missing from that press release. Let's go back to the phones now and get uh, get your opinions on today's topics, 209-551-3483. And let's hear from Ed from Lodi. Uh, good Monday afternoon to you, Ed. Yeah, you too, sir. Um, I First of all, just quickly um, on the po- the politics or whatever, I think the best we can do is just get ourselves as informed as possible. We're all busy. We all have other focuses in, in our life. But, uh, um, you know, it, we, if you're a student of history, if you pay attention, if you um, have a pretty reasonable understanding of things like economics and, you know, and, and, and maybe um, – uh, how how the legislations uh, legislators work and how judicial processes work, you can make a pretty educated decision when you vote, and um, you can look at history. You can look at you know how bond issues have gone through, how how candidates have you know behaved. You can you can do research on them. So anyway, you know you just gotta do the best you can, and at the and at the very end you're gonna vote with you know your your mind and your heart kind of together but i really called to talk about the water situation um i'm really kind of annoyed with this is just the latest of many uh let's react to things uh way of of leadership they are always reactive very seldom in a in a way that i would like to see them be proactive i suppose some things they do like (laughs) you can say that the uh the the um, high speed rail was sort of a proactive thing, which I think we didn't need. Um, and sometimes this you know this this moving towards you know this per- perfect 
you know, utopia of electricity world that we're supposed to be headed towards is a little bit proactive. But both of those two things to me were very short sighted. And uh, what we really are facing are a lot of other issues. But I just want to talk about water. Um, first of all, we've been in, in a drought like situation for quite a while. And we've had a population that now is declining a little bit, but basically has doubled since the 1970s. And uh, currently, uh, they just uh, tore, uh, the, some of the, the, the Coastal Water Commission, you know, uh, uh, in, I guess vetoed or whatever, they, they uh, kiboshed a uh, desalinization process. But I think, I think that should be all over the place. should be, you know, some, one thing that they can do right now. You know, it has nothing to do with rain. You know, you've got an ocean out there. Let's, let's take advantage of something and, you know, and, and we may have to work out the technology, but let's get it going. And in Northern California um, and in Southern Oregon, I think they're going to take out two dams, um, not Shasta Dam, but some other ones. And they're going to take out some hydroelectric, um, you know, uh, pro, you know, stations. And I'm thinking, first of all, why are we why are we doing that in a, in a environment where we aren't having enough water storage? So we're going to get rid of some more water storage. And uh, secondly, we're getting rid of a source of pretty clean electricity, even if it's a, not a huge amount. Um, I'm just irritated and tired of the, rea- the, the The solution is tighten your belt. That's the solution. You know, you're going to have problems, tighten your belt. Uh, you know, you're going to have to pay more for this and pay more for that. And, and uh, anyway, I just, uh, I, I'm a little bit tired of, of that's the way we're thinking. Why not? come up with a, hey, you know, we're going to go through a bunch of public works. We're going to work on developing more water storage, more ground rejuvenation, re, um, uh, you know, things like that. Why is this never the discussion that comes out of this particular governor ever? And quite frankly, the legislature for the last, I don't know, 25 years. Uh, I, you know, I hear a lot of talk, but nothing really happens. Uh, that's that's my, my thing. I'm a little bit uh, cynical, I suppose, but I also think that's reality because I've been in this state for quite a while, and um, I don't see them solving these problems. No, I, I my view on those things. Y- yeah, I think you're uh, you're right, Ed. Hey, Ed, thanks for the call, uh, Ed, bringing us some good points. Uh, Ed, I think uh, one of the issues too, embedded into all of that, is any time that politicians make you the problem you can almost guarantee that they're the problem. (laughs) And that's what we're seeing here. Uh, For example, in this uh, this press release from the governor's office, again, they're they're telling us what we need to do to solve the water crisis or to get through it. Uh, Limit outdoor watering, cut back, uh, take shorter showers, take showers instead of baths. Use a broom instead of a hose to clean outdoor areas. Watch, wash full loads of clothes and say 15 to 45 gallons per load. So as we're looking at that, what's missing? Well, what's missing to me, and I think this is embedded in what Ed was saying as well, there's no responsibility on the part of Governor Newsom or our state legislature for them being part of the problem. None, none. Uh, Let let me give you two other quotes from this press release from the governor's office today. Uh, Tomorrow at the governor's direction, it says, the State Water Resources Control Board 
will vote on a statewide ban on watering of non-functional turf in the commercial, industrial, and institutional sectors, as well as regulations, listen to this, regulations requiring local agencies to implement water use restrictions amid the possibility that water supplies may be up to 20% lower due to extreme weather. So you first they're blaming on us, now they're blaming it on the weather. Currently, local water agencies, the governor's press release says, have implemented restrictions on about half of California's population. If the board's regulations are approved, every urban area of California will be covered by a local plan to reduce water use. Any mention yet of the government itself? Mm. And finally, let me note this. Banning watering of decorative lawns would save between 156,000 acre feet and 260,000 acre feet per year, the equivalent of water used by 780,000 households a year. So again, who is who when you when you're listening to this or in my case reading it, who's the problem here? Who's the problem? We're the problem. Right? We're the problem. Every single restriction here, every single bullet point is pointed towards you and me or to business. Not one of these bullet points points back to the state of California and the fact that government that funds have been approved in the past to deal with water shortages. Funds have been approved in the past to deal with water conservation. And the state of California, and I'm uh, both Republican and Democrat, doesn't matter, have kicked this can down the road for decades and never de- dealt with it. And so now we're always the ones that are at fault, by implication anyway, because there's never anything here that there's no bullet point in this particular uh, press release that I can see that says, on the state level, on, on our part, we have failed to do what we needed to do. We have failed to do what we needed to do. No, it's you failed to what we do what we wanted you to do. It's our fault, or it's the weather's fault. Never the state's fault, never the governor's fault, ever. It's always us. And so, uh, Ed, I... You got me thinking about that, and I, I think that's my take on this, is every time the finger is pointed at you and me, to me it usually indicates they're trying to cover up that they have shared responsibility here. I wouldn't mind it, really, if the governor's office said, well, we want you to do these things, and we're going to do these things as your governmental representatives to solve the crisis. We're going to get right on building more water storage units, or we're going to get right on approving desalination plants. I always want to put an S or a Z in there. Uh, But no, no, the Coastal Commission, well, we we can't go against the Coastal Commission. And, uh, you know, the governor is backpedaling a little bit about the Diablo uh, nuclear power plant. Nuclear power is uh, is a relatively safe and clean way to generate power, and he's kind of backpedaling now on that. 
Well, what is what is the state of California? What is the governor's office in general? What has the state legislature done in the past 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40 years to really help with water conservation? We should be able to, by all rights, we and it was funded, we should be able to make it through this drought without much of a problem. But no, the government doesn't want to deal with it. They want to deal with other things, and and pardon me for using this term. Maybe it's not the appropriate term, but it's the one that comes to mind. They want to look for the politically sexy issues. You, you understand what I'm saying by that? They they want to hit those issues that get people's emotions going and make them look good and, and play upon uh, current headlines. They don't want to do the hard work of really dealing with the base issues, the real issues, the root cause issues. And so, Ed, I would enjoy you uh, enjoying you in being frustrated by messages like this from, from the governor's office. How about you, my friends, our number here? Are you frustrated? Are you frustrated with the spin and the half-truths and always, always being the problem? Are you tired of the government making you the problem? 209-551-3483, 209-551-3483 as the Mike Douglas Show continues on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Take the Mike Douglas Show with you every weekday from 3 till 5. Download the free iHeartRadio app and follow 1360 KFIV. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV, been having some lively discussions today about how we triage information in order to be very intelligent and careful and wise voters. And just a reminder, the primary is coming up in the not-too-distant future on Tuesday, June 7. We will have our normal broadcast during our normal time here from 3 to 5 p.m. on the Mike Douglas Show on Tuesday June 7, and then we plan to have extended election coverage from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. Uh, that uh, that evening as well as we take a look at some of the early results. Let's get back to the phones, area code 209-551-3483. Of late, we've been talking about the water shortage and basically Governor Newsom and the state of California pointing the finger at us and saying, you're the ones that need to make the sacrifices to get us through. What do you think about that? 209-551-3483. Let's go up uh, the road a piece to Lodi. Deborah, welcome to the show. Thank you. I just have one comment. I want to know where all the money's gone <laughs> that we, the taxpayers, have paid for water storage. I'm a member of, you know, a, one of the unions that avidly uh, campaign for water storage. Why? Because it was jobs. Um, you know, we never saw a dime. We never saw one job. I want to know where the money is and why it is taking so long to the point where they now are telling the people in Southern California you can't go over 47 gallons per person in your house. I, I don't even know if that's per person. I mean, but the money, where is it? It's frustrating because we have the money. We just obviously don't have the intelligence to put this all together. And, you know, the population in the state has not just doubled. It's almost tripled. I I just don't understand. Where are these people? 
what are they doing with our tax dollars? Well, exactly, Deborah, and I think that's what is so highly frustrating to many of us is, fun, as you know, funding has been approved in the past, and uh, it obviously wasn't used for what it was supposed to have been used for. And what I think what's further frustrating is even as, as we ask the question of, for example, uh, federal uh congressional representatives, when we ask Congress people, when we ask senators, our representatives about what what can you do to help, we get wishy-washy answers. And really, there's a lack, and I think, Deborah, this is it, there's a lack of accountability. And the party in power, at least for now, is unwilling to hold itself accountable or the governor accountable for making these things happen. You're right, exactly right. Funding has been there. If people, yeah, if people really want to get upset, go to San Francisco, the Presidio there, underneath the Golden Gate Bridge. Uh, San Francisco is supplied with their fresh water from the Hetch Hetchy Dam. Anything that San Francisco doesn't use is tossed out into the bay. Really, Newsom? I mean, why not? Why aren't we storing that water? Why are we just kicking it out to the ocean? I mean, it's frustrating. They're telling us it's our fault, and then this has gone on for years. I mean, I, I don't get it. Yeah, do, I do. Do. It's, you know, it's about control. Well, it is, and the inequities uh, are rampant. Deborah, Deborah, thanks so much for the call. Got a few more callers waiting here. Thank you so much for taking time to call in. Uh, very quickly, now let's go to uh, Modesto and Kyle. Kyle, what's on your mind today? Our government sure is broken, isn't it? <laughs> Not representing we the people. No. My frustration is with water as well. They, uh, they're always pointing the finger at us, but then they allow China and Saudi Arabia to buy up land, grow their crops with our water, and send it back to their countries. It makes no sense to me at all. Kyle, that's a good point. Another that's- major inequity here, especially as you look at at China uh, buying up farmland, and and you're right, uh, the, the the economic inequities. Somebody up there in Sacramento obviously knows what's going on, and what what's frustrating is apparently they're turning a a blind eye to it, and they're not dealing with it. And and if, I I think one of our other call, callers, Kyle, I think made a good point. It's it it does always. Follow the dollar, follow the dollar and control and power. You know, those are three very intoxicating things for politicians. And and so to not have resolution on this after so many decades, after so many years of this is just absolutely, uh, absolutely frustrating. So great points, Kyle. Appreciate that very much. Thanks for calling in. Well, thank you. All right, Kyle from Modesto bringing up uh, some some excellent points there. And again, as I'm looking at uh, this press release from the uh, governor's office today, I I see all these bullet points about what you and I need to do to get through the drought, to conserve. And by the way, I'm all for conserving water. I I don't use water to uh, to clean off my driveway. Uh, I don't. 
uh, I'm all for conserving water and and uh, understand you know taking short showers and uh, we're all doing our part. But the problem is, I get <clears throat> as many of you have pointed out, we get really tired, we get really frustrated at our, uh, us always being the problem. Nothing in this press release points the finger back at the governor's office, nor uh, the assembly, nor the state senate, saying. We, we own part of this problem. Ha, have you ever heard that? Do you hear that at all from Sacramento? I'd be okay with some of this finger pointing at me. This is what you have to do if there's some finger pointing back at them saying, well, yeah, we haven't done our job. This is what we're going to do to rectify it. Will we live to see that? Primaries on June 11. And then, uh, remember, November 8th. Coming up as well. I'll see you tomorrow here on the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. See you tomorrow. Thank you.